We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macro. A little more pep in his step. How you doing? Uh, amazing what two wins in a row will do. Uh, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, this is our usual episode that usually drops at uh, midnight on Monday to start your week. Coming at you a little bit later uh, because the Knicks have played back-to-back games on the West Coast. So as we said last week, Myself and Jeremy Cohen coming at you more in the middle of the week. Start as we always do. Mr. Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, John. I'm good. As those who are watching can tell, I did move. Still setting up, trying to figure things out. So that's been fun. And I'm exhausted. I'm so glad that we don't have to keep being up until 1230, 1 a.m. to watch these games. Um, win or lose. I think the only thing that I really lose is sleep. So I certainly feel for the people who are overseas and ahead in time who have to consistently see these games. Bravo to you. But for me, it's definitely more of an adjustment. So um glad that we don't have to deal with that for the rest of the season. I, I will say this. Andrew will bring in Andrew early here because he has the photographic memory. I am fairly certain the only three West Coast games that started not like nine o'clock starts. Well, I don't even I don't even know if there have been any nine o'clock starts, but like 10 o'clock or in the case of the Kings game, 1030 that that took place on either a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Correct me if I'm wrong. The only three were the Warriors game and then these last two. Right. I think so. King, I'm, try- the- I'm trying to remember when the jazz game was. I don't think that was a full that was that late. The 10 o'clock. Uh, it was game. not that late. Then it was a yeah, nine that's, o'clock game. Right? Then that's because then the yeah, because it was the same time was on Wednesday or the next day yep. when they played the Nuggets, and that was the RJ game where he got hurt. Yeah. So um I will say a thank you. I started the the post-game show uh, uh with this whatever it was last night, I guess uh, it's all running together at this point because the three times that I have had to stay up until after four in the morning to write a newsletter for the next day, they at least won all three of those games, <laughs> the Warriors game, the Clippers game and the Kings game. The second thing I will say is I have not showered in too many hours because yesterday was the was Kings Kings game day. So I obviously showered in the morning and then took a little nap, woke up for the Kings game and then got to bed at five or a couple minutes before five. And I was up at seven 30 this morning and my day has been hellacious, have not had a break. And so I am coming right into this on how many hours of sleep should I say I'm going on? Cause there's the two and a half hours I got after the game, but I had like a two hour nap before. So you want to, Split the difference and say like three and a half hours sleep. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Andrew's making the the most disgusted face. I I I just, I I appreciate your dedication as always, John. And I I very much hope you get a nap tonight and a shower. Yes. Yes. Start there. (laughs) Start with the shower. (laughs) And then actually, instead of a nap, I'm just going to go to sleep. How about that? I'm just going to sleep. Apologies, Dolores. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's fair. I think yeah. she was actually she was she may she I think we slept next to each other for like a half an hour and then she had to get up and like take care of the kid. So yeah. Apologies Wasn't for that right. half an hour, Dolores. On behalf of the New York Knicks, you know. Um yeah, so uh it has been uh quite a couple of days, but um I love as always, I get such a joy out of reading Andrew's rundowns. Um <laughs> at the top of this. <laughs> what a weird team. What a weird uh, team, man. Like what 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 else is there to say? This team there, was, were, there were we were like tanking and the the headline was LOL last week. And now yeah. it's like they were very close to going three and one this week, and John would have been John would have won predictions by a landslide in, in that sense. But no, we we get a two and two week that nobody except one person predicted. Well, you know, so that, okay, let's so the week that was, we should start off by saying uh, it did start with a, a loss to the Sixers that the Knicks, they never actually, that's the one they never got the lead in, right? They got the lead at, yeah, at home against Philly. And then, but they, they hung around right against, against Philly and Philadelphia. Um, then uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this game, but uh, was the Suns game the worst loss of the season for you guys? Jeremy, you go first. Honestly, um, no. And the reason for that was because I was on vacation this weekend. So I watched the first half and then I didn't watch the second half. I went to bed and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw what happened and I was like, okay. And gotcha. then I went back to bed. And then in the morning when I looked at it again, I was like, yeah, that sucks. Okay. I'm going to go on vacation. Andrew. I thought Jeremy was going a completely different direction there. I thought that you were going to be like, because I was on Team Tank and I was kind of rooting mm-hmm. oh, okay. for Cam Johnson. For I have that maintained shot. that I am pro wins, but Good. I will take the losses it, as they come. Can I just yeah. say, if, if any Nick fan was rooting for that fucking shot to go in, I, 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 that's, I, I, I don't know I don't the words to say. I just don't have the words. So I'm going to plug a promo clip that's going to be going around tomorrow because John, Jeremy, John decided without us to jump on playback and hang out with everybody probably is a way to stay up. He jumped on playback on stage on Friday night and playback messaged me. Well, we saw him jump on. So we recorded his reaction. Are you shitting me? There, your reaction oh. to the sun's buzzer beater is going to be. I prob- I'm assuming I just po- laughed. You it's. It, you are all of us in that moment is what I'll okay. say. It's like a, you can't make this shit up. Like, of course that shot went in. Of course, that's the guy after the altercation with Randall. Like, of course, that's how it went. My answer is no, that wasn't the worst loss of the season. I hit a point of acceptance a while ago. And as far as your question about the Sixers game, the Knicks actually were up at halftime in that game. That so I know. Right. That I know. Yeah. It yeah. was the second half because you made the proclamation on playback that uh, the Knicks will be in this game in the fourth quarter. And you got that correct. Um I'm actually going to go back on. I think I said it was the worst loss of the season after the Suns game, but I, I think I'll go back and I'm actually going to say the Brooklyn loss was was a worse loss because that's mine too. Mm-hmm. 20, 28 points against the Nets. Um, so yeah, very could easily could have won that game to say nothing of games that happened before the break in which they had large leads, as we just referenced, and then going to LA Clippers. Um, if you would have made when the lead got down to 12 at the end of the third quarter, if you, you could have given me even, a, I, I would have, I actually, I would have given you odds, I think. And you'd be like, yeah, the Knicks going to lose this game. Yes. They're going to lose this game. And they ended up winning, going away. Uh, thanks to the young players. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then in, um, I don't know if I will call it one of the stranger games of the season because like it's the Kings and the stuff happens to the Kings, just like it happens to the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks end up, uh, winning a game going away that they were down by 20. Um, thanks to one Julius Randall, who will also come up on this episode. So yeah. Um, what a weird team. I guess we'll start with like, and again, I still feel like we're in this weird twilight zone portion of the season where like cognitively we're all smart enough to be like the season is over but like you know a couple of wins it it, it gets the old juices flowing again like uh, Jeremy I'll turn it to you like where was this a good week and if so why or if not why not just when I thought I was out <laughs> They pull me back in. It's like, that's how I feel about this team. I, I'm mad about this week. 
and it's you're not, mad about it. Well, no, I'm I'm happy. Don't get me wrong. Two two no, is great, but at the same time, it feels very bittersweet to me. And the well, that's reason fair. For yes. that is because I look at this team and I keep thinking this team should be playing at a better rate than they have this season. And that's the annoying part. It's that this is a better team than what their record is. Yes. And the fact that we've gotten to this point and it feels like a lost season. And maybe that's why the losses don't feel as bad. The wins feel just fine because they're not going to tank. What is tanking? They're already playing the younger guys. A lot of it is also due to health, but I'm sure Nerlens Noel, if he wanted to suit up, they, you know, they could make something work, but they're doing what they feel inclined to do. And yet, you know, like I just think about, I think about various comments, right? Like about how the youth was said to be blowing these leads and yet they're the ones building them. It was one oh, comment. Well, I was saying another comment, you know, the whole idea <laughs> one second, about the, this is the best that we've got in terms of the PG rotation. And then you get someone like an Emmanuel quickly out there who is able to do things because if you're RJ Barrett and you're excelling, what do you need? You need someone around you who can run the point, who can operate in half court, push it in transition, pull up, um, spot up, who who can, you know, do all of those things. That is Emmanuel quickly to a T. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's seeing him prosper. That's like, this is wonderful. I'm so glad. And at the same time, I understand it may not have been the same quickly because he was missing shots. His game was still pretty consistent. It just, is magnified when he misses or makes, but it was just like, this is a team where you lean on the younger guys. You're going to see more effort. You're going to be able to sell something to fans like me, that there is excitement and there is joy here. And maybe instead of this older veteran team that is floundering and can't do anything, you got a young team on the come up that's exciting and that's doing things. And it's just, it's gone. It, It doesn't, what happens here on out happens. I'll be happy with wins, but the losses, the blowouts or the blown leads, excuse me. I mean, there were double digit leads in 11 of their last 13. They're yeah. three and eight in those games. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it irks me because of the fact that it doesn't have to be this way. And it is, and I've accepted that and that's fine. We can move on to the next season, but it's also why I imagine that next year, there's a bit more of a, you know, I expect them and I'll say this now and knowing this can fully change because who knows what this team will actually look like in eight months or so, but I expect them to be closer to what we thought they were going to be, which is around a 500 win, a 500 team, 500 win team, a 500 team that can actually compete and show effort and isn't going to dog it in any capacity. So I'm thrilled that they had these wins. I, I mean, the butterfly effect obviously doesn't work quite this way, but could have been three and one. And yet I just think about the rest of the season and it disappoints me. So shockingly, I will push back a little bit on this. Um, one can't get those. I remember a lot of seasons here. Um, and again, I've said it before and I, I will, I will say it until I'm no longer able to speak um, under a lot of hall of fame coaches came with a lot of glossy resumes and accolades who coached this team. And they never got double digit leads because they didn't give a shit, weren't prepared to play, um, weren't weren't instilled with a, a game plan that allowed them to compete. Um, and, you know, arguably had more talent than the team that is on, you know, under under uh, the tutelage of Tom Thibodeau this year. Um, and this team did come out and get all those double digit leads and did blow them because as I'm not going to argue anymore. Um, and as I've said for, since we did mid season grades over a month and a half ago, I don't think Tom Thibodeau has coached a great season. I think he has made mistakes. I think he has, but there has been things he um, has been improved on or has been improving on recently, perhaps because he is forced to because injuries have pushed his hand. Um, and so that needs to be noted, but um, I, I'll also push back on the the notion that they're they've dogged it. Certain players, maybe one in particular more than anybody else, have occasionally dogged it this year. Um, and then you have other guys like Evan Fournier and like Kemba Walker who just like are got exposed. Um, the thing that I'm going to take from this week, and uh, shout out to New York Basketball Twitter account um, who tweeted this out because it did not occur to me until after he tweeted it out was that the Knicks are the only team in the NBA this year to have four guys score 40 points or more. And 
you could you look at that tweet. I saw that tweet, and the first thing I said was like, "Man, this must be what the front office envisioned, right? Bringing together four guys who could put the ball in the basket at a really um, effective rate um, and have done so over the course of their careers. Putting them on, putting those four players under a guy who literally was just named the best coach in all of basketball. If he can't figure out how to make these guys work." together than nobody can. Um, and it has led to the type of season that you just referenced, which is what has frustrated you and so many fans so much. And I'm not going to blame anybody who was frustrated with Tibbs for how the season has gone and for his inability to get more out of this group. Um, I will just, again, point out that it's a, it might be a little bit more complicated than we occasionally make it out to be. And then the last thing I'll say, and I don't think there's a, there can be any disagreement on this because we just don't know, which is that these young players that are playing well and that are doing better than the vets. Um, again, bad job by Tibbs there. They've also been coached up by this coaching staff. So it's like, where do you, where is the line between blaming for not playing them more and giving them credit to like, however they've brought these young players along. It seems like it's working. Now, obviously Walt Perrin and whoever's responsible for drafting these guys, should get most of the credit because a player is what he is and you coach up what's there. So like, it's not like Tom Thibodeau magically touched, you know, Emmanuel quickly or, or Deuce McBride. It's like they became this guy who's like going to come in and give effort in the whole thing. But I think there does have to be a little bit of credit there. Um, so that is my, you know, my, my usual pushback, but I, you know, it's, it's becoming devil's advocate stuff at this point. Yeah. But again, I'm not saying Tibbs doesn't deserve any credit. I'm not saying that the players aren't at fault. You know, I mean, Derek Rose was injured. That was a huge part of what this team was. Julius Randle was not anywhere near what the Knicks have needed him to be. Um, There are plenty of reasons, but we've had conversations in the past. And one of your main points has been, look at what the front office gave Tibbs. Look at the point guard rotation. And it's doing just fine without Kemba Walker. And the, Point and without Derek Rose for that matter. And I just think a big reason is that, you know, you're saying in terms of the players, the younger guys getting these minutes by force, it is. It's totally by force. It's, it's whether you look at it as an injury perspective and or from the front office dictating that we want younger guys to get in there, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. Tibbs took this long to come up with these combinations that are working (laughs) for him. And, And to me, that's actually like, it, guys are better though. Like RJ is a better playmaker today than he was two months ago than he was four months ago. I think Emmanuel quickly is starting to come into his own after very up and down stuff, trying to become more of a point guard. And now here we are. So like, you know, again, sure. there's gray area even here, but right. But again, that's not, I'm not trying to diminish what tips has been able to accomplish. Even Quentin Grimes said the environment of having to go out there and practice and win your role. That's important. That that matches who I am. I respect that hundred percent. That's why with Tibbs, it's not just like this dude sucks. Get him out of here. It's, it's much more nuanced than that. It is. It is. It's just when you look at it and it's like, you had your, your moment with Kemba. That's what you did with it. You can't go back. You couldn't have handled it better. You brought him back into the fold. No, you couldn't have handled it worse. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> couldn't have handled it worse. And, and it's it's that kind of thinking where it's like his own stubbornness. It finally is rewarding him, but it's not because of any moves he's made. It's been like, again, with COVID, right? We saw yeah. some of these younger guys go off. They were doing it and the other guys were out. It's not like he chose to insert them into the lineup or into the rotation. I give him credit for the combinations, for leaving guys in there. I don't give him credit for the fact that he took Cam Reddish out when he was doing just fine in that Phoenix game, brought Fournier in and the game. I killed him that night for it. And I got some pushback on that and I killed him for it. For sure. It's just, that's the sort of mindset where I just, I think about an addition of a point guard, another coach, not blowing leads. And I think, where is this team right now with, you know, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Atlanta, all you know, doing the best they can to, you know, back their way into a playoffs playing spot. And I just, I can't help but think about where it might be. And it's fine. You know, the reason it's fine is because the light at the end of the tunnel is you're basically saying this is our last year to try to get a lottery pick. And we're fine with that because we can use as an asset, whether that's via trade, whether it's getting a player we really want, 
whatever it is. But it still hurts to see this team doing everything it does. And it's like, well, they're doing well at the end when expectations are much lower, not because of coaching, but because of the circumstances. I'll say this. If they do mess around, and by the way, you know, as we're recording this, the Hornets are 40 seconds away from losing to the Nets. Um, the Knicks have two games remaining against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they have a game remaining against the Atlanta Hawks. They, I listen, Andrew, you're laughing. I'm just, I, 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 it is my duty to report the facts. These are the facts, right? Are they not the facts, Andrew? They are the facts. They are, they are the facts. Let it go, John. Let, I'm just, I'm reporting facts. That's Carla all. I'm, Ray's I'm favorite song. Let it go. Come on. <laughs> it's not her new, her, uh, what's her new favorite song? It's a Beatles song. Uh, Love Me Do. I don't know what, what oh. relation we could make that with the next. Have you not showed her in Canto? She likes the Bruno song. Too. Uh, she liked the Bruno song. That's, the Bruno that's, song, that's what we should call it. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. There you go. Um, yeah, but they're they're uh, So they're going to be three and a half games back of the Hornets. Again, two to play against Charlotte. They already have the tiebreaker against it. Like, look, if they did make a run, I'm just saying if they did make a run, right? If they did make a run, I'm just very, and, and, and key part. And it was, I mean, I don't want to say largely on the backs of the young players, but like, I mean, everything's on the back of RJ Barrett right now. Is it not? Um, and then the other young players were prominently involved. I wonder how much people would really be upset about the fact that they weren't in the running for, you know, if, if that took them out of the running for a top four pick, um, I think it would depend on what happened again. Let's crazy, crazy things have happened. If they got into the play and the whole thing, um, lots of variables, but I don't know. I just, I, I'm there. That part of my brain still exists. That's all I want to say. I think there's the mindset of, oh, you know, you're just going to the play in to get destroyed. And then what happens? You have a worse lottery pick. And I get that. But at the same time, I think it's very easy to forget about narratives and the way things mm -hmm. are left off. Again, I mean, if you go back to before the start of last season, this was going to be one of the worst teams in basketball. That's what Vegas said. They didn't. That didn't happen. They made the playoffs and yeah. we were thrilled. And we we're talking about this team and how they're on the come up. And yeah, of course they were figured out in the playoffs, but you can retool it. You can talk yourself into it. It's great. They're disappointing. Now the whole world thinks like, you know, feels like it's this team sucks and they're underachieving for sure. They are, but it's not like they're not going to improve when you see that there is the young talent and time is on their side. And if you were able to at least end it, pushing the conversation up a bit more yeah. where it's like, this is what we did on the backs of the younger players. I think that's a very easy way I, for people to buy into that. And that's, I, what, that's my hope to be quite honest, but and that the yeah. only problem and I'll turn it over is there's going to be this, this unfortunate middle ground where you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but you're also too good to get great lottery odds. And that I think is where people are going to be very upset. Not, not you know, a lot of them. I mean, people are going to be upset no matter what, right? You can make the play and go with the championship. Yeah, they go with the like, championship. Oh. People upset. Yeah, I'm, so it's that sort of thing where it's like, how do you get around it? But yeah. even still, just being able to show that competitive nature and it's the young guys that are doing it, it catches the eyes of players who might have wanderlust and might think, why am I still on this team? I could be elsewhere and I could, that, like, that's the path that I have. They are of an age where I could really be interested in doing that. And then the ball is back in Leon Rose's court and um, we'll see what he does with it, whether it's with Tom Thibodeau as a coach or I, it's funny. I wonder if they did make a push and they did end the season feeling more positively. I wonder if that would almost, this is going to sound crazy. I wonder if that would almost make it easier to let go of Tibbs where at least, you know, Leon could go to him and like, look, you can leave on a high note, say your transit, you know, we'll, we'll, you're transitioning to a front office position, whatever the case may be. I don't, I have a feel. I, I would be surprised if they did make a run and like made the play in if that were to happen because Tibbs is a sociopath and like all he wants to do is coach and that's what's in his bones. Um, can I give you a fun, a fun uh, stat that I found before? Um, so, cause I was looking at it, Cam Reddish is not going to play against um, 
against Dallas. So we're probably going to get a lot of uh, deuce minutes because they, they just don't have many players to fill spots at, at those positions. Um, so I'm assuming this will be the seventh game this season where Deuce McBride plays 17 minutes or more. Um, the Knicks are four and two in those, in those games. He has played uh, 143 minutes. What do you think their total plus minus is in those 143 minutes? I'm going to say 93. Man, you must have looked at it. It was, no, it's, pl- it's plus 90. Okay. Which is like pretty good. <laughs> it's obscene. Um, yeah. I mean, there was some blowouts against some, some terrible teams in there, but um, yeah, you know, anybody, what? No, I just want to say Tibbs. I, I feel for him in this moment because he's kind of in a no-win situation. Either the younger Knicks play well, yeah. and it's like you had these guys the whole time, and only when the season felt like it was gone did you play them. And if they don't play well, then it's like, well, this season was a train wreck to begin with. Yeah. So we got to this point only because of your failures. I do feel for him in that capacity. It's like if you do make the playoff push. And you actually luck into a play on spot and you're so hot that you actually find your way into the eighth seed. Again, I'm not saying this is likely. I'm not saying that it is not. I'm just saying there is a scenario that exists, however unlikely it may be. Then it's like, okay, well, this became much more interesting. But I feel like we will cross that hypothetical bridge when we hypothetically get to it because it's a long way to go to get there. Go out and win in Dallas or in Memphis. If they win either of those games, I will take this approximately two and a half times as seriously as I'm taking it right now. Um, absent some craziness that would result in a win. Um, yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's move on. We'll give out some some game balls uh, slash uh, decide who pushed the most P for this week. Is that is that the proper phrasing? I need, I need to I need to erase that from the rundown. That was that was a one week joke that I keep forgetting to. to get I love into. it. I like <laughs> I, I like seeing it there. Just pushing P. You I, like pushing P. OK, I love it. I feel so dirty every time I say that. All right. So this is a reminder of someone we want to highlight or give credit to for their performance of, of this week. A uh, lot of candidates here written down. Um, this is me, right? This week? Yes, because you won. Because uh, I won. So I get to start us off. Oh, man. Um, I, I'm going to. A mm, couple different directions I could go here that I want to go. I'm going to give it to Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Emmanuel quickly. You wanted it, Jeremy? Oh, I wanted it. I wanted it. Uh, 
I also so. like how we've now decided that the winner of the week's matchups. I don't even know how we got to this always beforehand. Literally was always hot John. Streak. John would go first all the time, but <laughs> I, whatever. I'm not keeping track of that. John, go ahead. Give Emmanuel quickly the game ball he's pushing, Pete. I feel bad you know, about it. You don't sound bitter at no. all, Jerry. <laughs> I'm not. And John doesn't feel bad one iota. So continue. I don't feel bad. Um, I feel a little bad. Uh, a random stat uh, over his last dozen games. Uh, I'm uh, stealing from my, from uh, Wednesday's newsletter over his last dozen games amongst, uh, I think it's 80 something players or 70 something players, maybe 75 players in the league uh, under six foot four um, who've played at least 20 minutes. Again, last 12 games played at least 20 minutes. Emmanuel quickly third in the league in rebounds per game which is just crazy. He is rebounding at an obscene rate, um, which is just one of the things he's been doing really well. He's letting the game come to him after it seemed like the game was overtaking him for large portions of the season. Uh, It is so great to have quickly back playing with joy, playing in a, in a way where anytime he steps foot on the floor, you feel like good things are going to happen. And that's because they, they usually do recently, at least when he's been out there, um, you know, it's, it's been tough to ignore um, Tyrese Maxey doing what he's been doing in Philly. Tyrese Maxey's had a fantastic season. Uh, I think he's averaging about 18 points on the year. He's obviously making threes, great compliment to Harden and be the whole thing, you know, and it's like, you felt like, I don't know, maybe, Nobody else did. I felt like the Knicks were going to come away with one of those guys from that draft. And they came away with quickly and quickly looked like the better of the two, you know, at times during his rookie year. And now it's like, oh, well, Maxi, you know, was kind of like a quasi third star, not really, but sort of in Philly. And like quickly has had this up and down year. So from that perspective, too, it's nice to see him um, get it going again. And I've, I've, I go back and forth on this. Like after RJ, RJ is still the guy that I like am paying most attention to. I was saying Cam was number two for me, but I don't know. Now quickly may have edged ahead of Cam as far as like who I'm like most excited to see every night, who I'm most curious about every night, who I'm most uh, interested in tracking their progress every night over the next 17 games. Um, but yeah, really, really great week from quickly. Um, 27 points on 10 shots against Sacramento, only the fifth Nick ever to uh to pull that off and only the fifth player in the nba this season um to do it so good job by him it's impressive stuff and the one thing i'll say in terms of maxi and i don't mean this to slight him in the slightest but when you play with joel Embiid and james harden you're gonna look pretty good and i can't wait to see emmanuel quickly eventually play with players who are of that caliber my only hope is that it's in new york city yeah me too i you know I got to go with RJ Barrett, especially because after the snafu, apparently from last week, where it was forbidden for me to go in an opposite direction because we always pick other players because I would have just picked Emmanuel quickly. We could have said it's collective. So I'm going to go a different direction. I'll go with RJ Barrett. I really don't care about his efficiency. I mean, I do, but I also don't. You can see it. You can see how the game is coming together. There are things that he obviously has to work on this summer. Uh, Finishing would be a very big one that would also help his efficiency quite a bit. But he's just, um, this is RJ's team, as Zion would say. This is RJ's team. And (laughs) I just, I love watching him. He makes this team feel worth it in a lot of ways. And so in that case, I'm going to go with RJ Barrett. Um, Good choice. Uh, I so I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to transition um, to detention. So a uh, player, coach, or media personality that's always written in this doc, right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in Not, case we ever and, start um, feuding with with the media. Yeah, and and I am saying that for the for a specific reason this week. I can't believe I'm about to do this because I. I have to give detention. I, I feel inky doing this because he's literally my idol. I have to give my detention this week to Zach Lowe. Whoa, whoa, drink, drink. And then what? So why? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it the I, thing about? Oh, okay. Yes. Actually, I listened because Simmons was on. So yeah, go ahead. I, I go ahead. Address so it. it was an offhanded comment. 
Um, you know, but Zach doesn't say anything he doesn't mean. And the, so the Simmons and, and uh, Lowe, as you just referenced, we're talking about the Cavs and, uh, and Darius Garland came up and Zach, again, offhandedly was like, you know, talk about things Nick fans uh, are I think it was the exact word. Talk about Nick, the things Knicks fans are upset about. Mm. Um, and it's watching Darius Garland knowing he was picked after RJ Barrett. And he, he said, like, as well as RJ Barrett has been playing, and then went on to go and, and wax poetic about Darius Garland. And I, I'm going to, I'm putting him in detention this week because not because I'm going to sit here and try to proclaim that RJ Barrett is a better player than Darius Garland because. This year, he's not been. Uh, Darius Garland's an NBA All-Star. RJ Barrett is is not. And even if you extrapolate his numbers out throughout the entire season of what he's been doing the last two months, I still don't think he would have been really in the All-Star conversation. And part of that has to do with team performance. Um, I will push back in the sense that I think long-term, I think this is probably a controversial stance, but I personally, I, I don't think this is completely me being a homer. I think I would rather have RJ Barrett than Darius Garland. I think there's a higher ceiling there. And I think when you look at where he's come from day one until where he is now, um, it's fair to wonder where he's going to be two, three, four years from now. And again, toughest commodity to come by in the NBA, big wing who could do all sorts of things. The reason I'm putting him in detention though, is because it's, it's just, it's a little, I don't want to say tone deaf, but we have wanted a guy you know, that's our guy for so freaking long. And we thought we had it with Porzingis. We did not have it with Porzingis. He was not our guy. He was something else. He's not Washington's guy. Uh, good for them. Um, but RJ Barrett is our guy. And like, you know, your mileage on RJ may vary. My mileage on RJ has varied over the last three years. But what he has done this season, um, I think anybody who's a fan, unless you're, I don't know, maybe few people are not this way. I think you have to be all in based on what we've seen. And so, well, it may be a little bit, you know, uh, of, of orange and blue colored glasses. I really genuinely don't think that there's a Knicks fan out there who is like, man, I wish we could have Darius Garland on this team instead of RJ Barrett. That's my two cents. I could be wrong, but for that reason, I am going to put my idol and the guy who I think is absolutely the best at what he does um, in detention this week. I think that's very fair. Do you really? Okay. I wasn't sure what you think. I think it's the whole Zach Lowe comes from a very respected place. And I think the fact that you're able to critique him in that manner speaks volumes. And I don't think you would say that unless you've really fervently felt that way. So I was knocked back when I heard the way he put it was just maybe what, what rubbed me the wrong way. And I think what rubbed me even more the wrong way to like everything you said. And it was as if he is speaking on behalf of all Knicks fans. Like he's, I've talked to all of them and they said that they're so upset. They got, they, they don't have Darius Carly on their team over RJ. I also think, and look, Zach Lowe watches more NBA basketball than literally anyone alive. And there's not a question in my mind about that, including like Knicks, but it is one of those things where, and again, Orange and blue colored glasses are, are, are you're risking wearing them or I'm risking wearing them when I say this, but like you really do have to watch him every night. Like what me and Benji were talking about on the pod this week, like his misses are like better misses now. It's like you're, he's not just flinging up garbage. It's like uh, rarely he does like the 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 um the Clippers game was a Clippers game. Or he went five for 20 or no Suns game. The Phoenix like, game. The Phoenix game. Yeah, yeah. There were, there were a couple ugly, ugly ones in there, but like, those are so the exception and not the rule now. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just a much, you know, you could tell that he, he is making a, a, a leap. So that's the only thing I'll add. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. I took a while there. That's okay. You know, for me, it's actually tough to figure out detention because I, I talked about Tibbs. I've had him in detention before. I could throw him in there again, and I think I could find a valid way to do it, but I'm, I'm going to ease up a little bit this week. I think Evan Fournier is also deserving. I mean, I think you could even say outside of maybe for one and a half, for one and three quarters games, Julius Randle, who I praised last week, could be in detention. It's really tough for me to figure something out. And I, I'm almost inclined to also go 
the ESPN root of that article that came out. That, that, oh. I mean, it feels like it was ages ago, and yet it was still from the last time that we spoke in terms of, but even then, the article oh. itself wasn't that big of a deal. It was the headline. And oh, like this is like, the worst or the furthest, as far away as the right. Knicks have ever been. Right. So I guess, I guess this is what I'll, my detention will be subscribers to the notion that that is the case. Because I, mm-hmm. like physically speaking, I know this feels like a cop out, but we are closer in time to where we were than two years ago. It's just that's the way time works and, and everything. But, but even when you throw out that little gem, it's the sort of thing where it's like, again, you see RJ Barrett and you see what he's able to do and how the Knicks did just make the playoffs last year. And when you see Julius Randle have these highs where even if he's not destined to finish out his career here, and maybe he is, but I will believe it when I see it finding value in some way. And even if it was an old administration, it doesn't matter the way that he, that Randall was able to take that next step under Tibbs in the first year and the team coming together and just the mindset of being trapped in the moment and not being able to understand the inner workings of everything that's going on and how much time it really does take to build something. And it's, I see players like Emmanuel quickly prosper. And then I think about a lot of the fans who just were out. They were out at a certain point. He's not hitting shots. I'm done. Get rid of him. Bust. Front office doesn't know what they're doing. The scouts don't know what they're doing. William Wesley, he's in Dolan's ear. He doesn't know what he's saying. All these things that are just popping up because people just like to say shit. And (laughs) that's fine. They're inclined to say that, that they have every right. I also just... We're not spoiled because we don't have a good basketball team, but we're it's almost like a a jadedness or like some sort of feeling where it's like we keep saying we want to see these players develop. And yet the ability to stay patient is gone from a game to game play to play standpoint. We say we want to see this team develop, but we don't have the patience to do it. Development is messy. Right. It is. Yeah. Same thing with, with how the team has worked. Success isn't linear. There's a reason why the Knicks made the playoffs last year yeah. and they're not probably going to do it this year. It's not linear. And it's almost like we can't, and I say this collectively, we can't find a way to just take a deep breath and look at everything going on and assess. It's got to be in the <laughs> moment. Oh my God, everything's on fire when things are going wrong. And when things are going great, it's either great or we find other things to critique. And again, that's fine. I respect the approaches for how one wants to do that. But it's the idea of it's like there are strides being made. And when you see this past draft, for example, Quentin Grimes, I mean, the Knicks traded back twice and they netted him. They also got another pick. They traded one of their picks out that became Cam Reddish. They traded down from 32 and got Deuce McBride, Marcus Yokobitis. They got Jericho Sims at 58. It's rare for us to see things sort of come to a head this quickly, but that's the thing where it's like, I see Obi Toppin struggling and it's not because Obi Toppin isn't a good player. It's because I don't see his strengths being utilized in such a way. And people may not consider the fact of how he was playing in college. He wasn't a floor spacer for the date for Dayton. Uh, Like that's not what he did. And yet if that's a position he's being relegated to, it's frustrating to see that. And of course his value is going to go down. And of course you're going to think less of him. And of course you're going to be like, I can't believe the Knicks passed on Tyrese yeah. Halliburton for Obi Toppin. And again, if you feel that way, fine. Halliburton's clearly a better player. He is right pretty now. good. <laughs> but if you can't have, and I say the right now is not as in like Obi Toppin will surely catch him. Just, we don't really know anything could happen, but it starts with taking Obi out. The Knicks of the, the championship. championship. <laughs> right. And being able to have him in an environment where maybe he's a small ball five. You know, maybe he's doing things where you space the floor and and have him be someone who can pop out for a three if he's able to do it, you know, making more plays, getting more creative. It's hard to do that. And and when you don't use these players right, everything gets messed up. So I guess to kind of put a bow on it, it's it's not so much the non-believers, it's those who are just kind of active selectively choosing what is great, what isn't and refusing to acknowledge that things are trending in the right direction just for the sake of wanting to whine and moan, because that's just what your life calls for. Maybe. I don't know, but well, a good transition because before we get to predictions, I did want to address very briefly. um, 
so what you just described very, very aptly and succinctly is, is fandom, right? It is, it is, it, it, you know, it's like, I, everybody, you know, everybody who does this, I think can kind of, or is in this, in the world, whether you cover sports, whether you play sports, wherever it's like, you know, we're all fans and like, but in different capacities. So uh, we haven't mentioned Julius Randle yet on this episode. And that's not intentional. Um, We probably should have said something about him over the course of the last 45 minutes because he did just get a career high. Good for him. Great performance against the Kings. Um, But I I tend to think that we like to cover things on the show that um, most Knicks fans are like, most actively interested in and in his career high is like good for him. It was nice that he had shots for a night. It's not changing my life. Um, the, the thing that preceded it though, that night um, with uh, his wife, Kendra Randall going on Twitter and uh, essentially uh, calling out uh, CP, uh, our, our friend CP, the franchise over at Knicks fan TV for um, I don't want to paraphrase what she said, but basically casting or, or blame um, on him and uh, others like him. Uh, I'll, I'll raise my hand here uh, for, you know, basically making, making life more difficult for, for players. Um, look, I'm not going to talk about this for very long because uh, quite frankly, I just don't care. Um, I will just say that fandom is messy. It has always been messy there are boundaries you don't cross. There are lines you certainly don't cross. Um, and that those, those lines I think do change over time. And I think what is maybe acceptable or what was acceptable 50 years ago, you know, may not have been acceptable 20 years ago and what was acceptable 20 years ago may not be acceptable today. Um, you know, but I, I, I will just, respectfully uh, say that it's like, you know, this is (laughs) to quote, to quote another uh, Godfather line. This is the business we've chosen. Um, And if you are a professional athlete and you are going to put yourself out there, it's like, you are going to get critiqued. Um, And that critique sometimes can be messy Um, and it can, it can be unpleasant. Um, you know, I mean, just go read what Russell Westbrook has been dealing with, uh, recently, you know, and it doesn't make it right. Um, but it is a thing that happens. And I just, I would just stress that all of these sorts of conversations about, you know, the appropriateness of critique and like, you know, where it goes, we also need to, um, balance that with where is the end point? You know, um, you know, again, I'm being a little facetious here, but like if a movie reviewer is reviewing a movie and calls their movie bad and says the director did a shitty job making the movie, is that out of bounds? If, If someone doesn't like the way that their country or state is being run and they say this politician is an idiot, he doesn't know what he's doing. Is that sudden, you know, is that too harsh? Um, you know, it, it just, it, to me, it, it does get on a slippery slope. And well, uh, certain content creators out there, uh, no one in particular, uh, could maybe work on their choice of language at times during, during moments that are uh, particularly uh, emotional, uh, perhaps right after a game. Uh, that's fair. That's it is fair to criticize. But like, there's two sides to the story. And um, I, I would just, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I don't know if either of you guys want to add anything. So, I mean, it doesn't. It shouldn't even have to be said, but family should always be out of bounds. Goes without saying. Every single time. Yeah. Um, like I even think of the Eli Apple situation and his mom tagging in, and it's just like, again, it just gets messy, and it's this very fine line because. It used to be obviously when you could critique a player, it was before in this before social media, at least it would be in the newspaper, it'd be on TV, or it'd be amongst peers, friends. Maybe you'd write a letter if you were that outraged, but you'd have to go through the hassle of writing a letter and sending it to the player and then hoping that they read it, which they probably or you or you just go boo at the yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, you tag someone, you say what you want. 
and it receives them in, in, instantaneously. And this weekend, so I, I went to DC for the weekend and I wanted to go see a basketball game, but I didn't get the opportunity. I was walking around the street uh, on Saturday and I see this really tall guy, six foot eight easily, had a mask on. I, I did a double take. I thought, I, I know this person. I know who this guy is. And I realized it was DeAndre Hunter. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. I just was like, I got to, I got to talk to him. I mean, like I just, I ran into DeAndre Hunter. I want to say something. And of course I'm looking at my phone because like, how could this actually be him? And sure enough, the Hawks aren't playing in Detroit until Monday. So that that's probably him. And his strides are so long that he's pretty much two blocks away. And I say, screw it. I know I'm running late for something, but I actually want to get ahead of him. And he knows I'm, I'm, following him because he saw me do the double take and I could tell that he's like a little uneasy at the fact that there's someone who's going to talk to him on an off day. And I finally catch up with him and I just said, Deandre and he turned around and we chatted a little bit. And again, he was just enjoying his day walking about. We had a very nice conversation. I mentioned that I happen to be a Knicks fan and kind of crushed my dreams last year, <laughs> but I respected it and you know, asked, asked how healthy he was and, and all these things. And uh, at the end, he said, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to walk around, explore the city. And I said, oh, you know, I don't mean to bother you. I'll let you go. And uh, it was very cordial. It was a really cool opportunity. I'm glad that I did it. And yet part of me also is like, the guy was just enjoying his day. Why did you have to go and interrupt him? Mm. And then everything with Kendra Randall came to surface. And I thought about how last year around the playoffs, I tweeted something about how RJ Barrett this is a better option, DeAndre Hunter long-term. And that's how I certainly feel. And it was nothing inflammatory, right? I mean, it's just talking basketball, yeah. but it still dawned on me, you know, like th there is so much of a human element and what I tweeted, you know, ages ago, or at least what feels like it never in a million years would I say to DeAndre Hunter on the street, like, Hey, <laughs> RJ Barrett yeah. is a better player than you. Or you know how Zach Lowe talked about Darius Garland? Well, he was picking yeah. after you. I would never say that. And the truth is we most of the time wouldn't do that because there's a barrier here. And I just, it's really tough because it, it feels like a toxic relationship with Julius because we want to love him. And then he gives us reasons not to. And then it's compounded. And then he, I understand his position. He doesn't want to just take it. He, he wants to say something back, but that only gets people more riled up. And then we go back and forth. And then we have the situation that unfolded with CP. And it just feels like, unfortunately for their sake, there's no way to win. It's just Julius having games like he did against the Kings. But we just, I agree with you that there is a slippery slope where we're not necessarily, I want to choose my words, especially carefully. It's not about attacking a a person. It's about criticizing a player. And yeah. I think that there has to be a boundary that's identified between the two. And yet I know for a fact that if my loved ones saw me getting dragged through the mud, they'd want to say something too. So I, I totally yeah. see where, you know, she, where Nina Westbrook is coming from. It's just tough all around, but I think it's, and like you see it in the post-game chats, right? The the instant reactions, fire tips, trade Randall, do this, do that. It's all gut reactions that happen. And that's what social media is just built that way. We're not going to be able to really change our mindset, but no. maybe we collectively can just kind of goes back to a pre-show <laughs> conversation, but with empathy, just a little bit more empathy as we go our day to day. If, if you are angry and you want to tweet something negative, you could just draft it and then you could delete it or you could tweet it. But if you tweet it, just deal with, just consider the ramifications that come with the tweet. I think and the same goes for me as well. Yeah. No, it's, it's very fair. Uh, I, the, the solution is always just do away with all social media. Um, yeah. Um, and on that note, um, can I take my victory lap now? You can take Go ahead. <laughs> okay. We're at predictions where, yes, I won. I got off the schneid. I had lost five in a row, right? It was bad. Five. Yeah. You were six and you were six and 11. They were, we both, you guys got to six and six. And then, yeah. 
and lost, lost five, five in a row. Five straight. So there is still hope for me. I believe it's mathematically possible for me to end the end the year in a tie. I haven't even figured this out. Maybe I, I, I think I could just tie. Whatever. I would take a tie at this point. Um, but I did win last week because I did predict two and two. So now uh, for this week, I get to go first. And it's an interesting slate of games. And it's going to give me um, a, a definitely a difficult choice. So uh, our playback game of the week uh, tonight, as you're listening to this uh, at Dallas Friday, uh, eight, eight o'clock. That's at Memphis. That's NBA TV. And then Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m. ABC Knicks in Brooklyn. And that concludes their uh, what is a seven game road trip, right? Um, hmm. I know what I want to pick. The heart wants what it wants, and the heart the heart wants me to pick two and one. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm going to take one and two. Um, I am going to leave it to you. To, if you want to take two and one, take two and one. And if they go two and one, I will be the happiest person alive to have lost this week and conceded the season to you. But uh, I guess I'm covering my bases here, so I'm going to go one and two. One and two is the right call. I would have taken it. Yeah. So, but hey, I thought one and three would be the right call last week, and it was not. So uh, yeah, this is trickier for me now. I'm very curious to see what you do here. So, you know, <laughs> Dallas is rolling on full cylinders since the Porzingis trade. Brunson, uh, if in case you missed a tweet, so we're all on the same page. Oh, Apparently, Brunson's going to play. Yeah. Right. Of course, because it's the last opportunity for him to play against the Knicks. <laughs> so he's got to do it. And you got Memphis, which is also great. And then you're playing Kevin Durant. And I fortunately have a little bit of cushion room here. So if something goes wrong, I can take it. <sighs> oh, and three. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That's, I can't. It had to be. I can't feasibly. I understand the last. Three games were very competitive. I can't go two and one. I just it, it, it's it's really tough. It's a no, it's smart. Take my chance on them losing all three than uh, winning two. Unfortunately, I'd argue Jeremy's in a better spot. That's fine. I think that no, I, that's I fair. actually think that one and two is the better spot. Well, no, because if they it, win, then like it's it, if they win, they get all so, win, and you're able to experience it but yeah like but the last three be... games or the last three games they played the suns were significantly shorthanded there's no shorthanded team well i guess technically brooklyn is shorthanded but... i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and guess that they will be <sighs> if i had to put the lines at it right now i put seven point seven and a half maybe eight point underdogs in dallas maybe closer to like nine nine and a half in memphis and then brooklyn I don't know. There's no way six and a half, seven. There's no way Ben Simmons plays on Sunday, right? Sure, there is. So then, could I guess that's where I'm I'm seeing Jeremy being in a good spot here. Well, he's still working his way back from injury, is the only thing. So I don't know if he's going. I doubt he plays, but but I yeah, it's possible. I believe he's playing when he when he's playing resumes the court. But Kevin Durant, it's kind of hard to stop that guy. Yeah. And I guess you do have you have Julius back in in Dallas where he where he's from and likes to put on a show, so that that's in John's favor. I, listen, I'm going. I I my my I, listen. I really did toy with picking two and one, which would have been insane. But in any case, okay, um, that is it, Andrew. Uh, just one thing from me, um, the uh, loyal listeners of this podcast that have Twitter.com. Um, for the third time, Nick's Film School's Twitter account has reached 10,000 followers. Uh, for a little backstory, uh, Nick's Film School, I think, kind of started off as a very popular Twitter account. And mm-hmm. JB was Mr. Newsman. And then he and John had a collaboration and the podcast got started and the newsletter got started. And JB was like the king of aggregation. Then around the time that the Knicks lost out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It was, it was literally... Uh, like the oh week, right? It may. It wasn't the day. It may have been the day before. I remember. God, I remember that like day like it was yesterday. Um, but it was within like forty-eight to seventy-two hours. The Twitter account got suspended. 
Yes, for I guess some non-licensed music on a compilation video that JB had years ago, which whatever Twitter that that's the thing that you're going to police at the time. Yep. Anyway, so JB then decided, all right, we're starting from scratch, and then the next like year happened. Um, or I guess next couple months happened because within the next year, all basketball went away, and JB decided he wanted to focus on the Mets newsletter and turned that new Twitter account into his own personal one. And then just before last season, we started a brand new Nick Stone School Twitter account. And here we are back at 10,000. So thank you for the third time. Um, this is the, the first one that I've been able to be a part of and be a con- contributor to, to oversee the growth. And yeah, uh, to, here's to another 10,000 more. And to those of you watching this that are not subscribed to the channel, we're also at 8,600 subscribers. So. Oh. If you want to help us get to 10,000 on YouTube as well, you know, do your thing. Um, That'd be yeah, cool. That, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Also, um, John, did you see Batman? No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting because we want to try to do... We haven't seen a movie together, me and my wife, in a theater in... Uh, it's, it's pre-pandemic, I think, at this point. So we're trying to figure out a way to go see it together and actually bring our older daughter. We have not had the opportunity yet because... You know, we have the baby and we have to figure out something to do with the said child. But I'm excited to see it. Okay. And Jeremy, you're on vacation, so you didn't see Batman. I'm seeing it this Saturday. Oh, okay. Ah, good choice. Very good choice. I'm seeing it again on Friday in Dolby. Um, I will just tease or plug the episodes that Final Review just did. We reviewed the new Batman with Matthew Reeves and then we reviewed... As a final review, the 1989 Michael Keaton edition of Batman. And our last category was Batman movies, in which we ranked all 14 Batman movies. And some takes were given um, that I think you guys would all enjoy. So uh, that's, that's, that's my plug for today. And yeah, well, hopefully another successful weekend or couple days in Nick's land. And maybe even another uh, continuation of John being able to make the predictions game close claw his way back yeah and i'll just i didn't add anything like just don't be an asshole like that's the the biggest takeaway i can give i've like the biggest thing from this season i think that i've tried to convey both to john and jeremy like as a producer but also just like as an understanding for how we how we follow the team like fan is short for fanatic like we get it. You're going to be passionate in the moment, but these are people. And that's the bigger takeaway from, as Jeremy was saying about social media, like people used to get fan hate mail all the time. All those documentaries about like Russell and Wilt and Kareem and the fab five. There's always that section of the documentary of hate mail. Like this isn't new. It's just now we get to see a reply back to us, a direct sent letter on Twitter when we see it happen. So Look, criticize away. Just, you know, like there's there's a line that we just don't want to cross. So if you are one of these Knicks fans that has been sending death threats or inappropriate comments who to sends family a, Who sends a death threat? Like, uh, according idiots. to Nina idiots. Westbrook, it, the idiots, uh, the, the, listen, DMs are private. And there's also a thing called Instagram. So if you're posting a video, like, oh, look how great my kid is. And you're like, your, your husband sucks. Like it's anonymous too, so you're able to get away with it. Yeah, that's the big real big rule. Don't be an asshole. That's all I'm asking everybody to do. Criticism's okay. fine. It's been happening forever. As CP said on the show last night, this is sports talk. It's been here before, and it'll be here after Julius Randle. Just keep it respectful. Very well said. I thank have you. nothing to add, uh, Jeremy. Thank you as always. Thank you, John. Andrew. Thank you, John. You're welcome. And uh, thank you, everybody out there, for checking out another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Uh, I got the Mavs post game coming your way uh, tomorrow. Um, and on and on we go as we march towards the rest of the season. Andrew, do I want to ask you what that face was that you just made? Uh, no, my <laughs> sorry. Uh, my buddy, uh, I can actually probably put up to the camera. My buddy just got a. Can you I see it? See it's a Jordan is. and Pippen trading card of them holding two trophies. I don't really know what that is. It's a so sports cards. People collect them. I know physical sports card. That doesn't look like a physical sports like, card. It's in a case. Oh, it's, it's in a case. Like, okay. Yeah, he sent it off. He got it minted, and so he. This is a like a high 
quality thing. And that's why I looked at it. I was like, whoa, you're able to get one of those. Sorry. I did not mean to interrupt the show. That's in the fine. Outro that way. No, I just was curious if it was any news I needed to work. Okay. No. Um, don't forget. If you, baseball's still dead. Don't worry. Baseball's still dead. If uh, if you take the show, uh, subscribe, obviously. Um, but also feel free to drop a uh, five-star rating, positive review. Those things help us out. Um, until next time, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.